I want to thank everyone for coming today. It is great to see all of you here. And if you are visiting with us, you're not normally at Plum Creek, we are especially glad that you're here. We have been looking forward to this day for a long time. We've been praying for good weather, and God really blessed us uh, today. Uh, it's not raining. You might be sweating, but it's not raining, so I'm thankful for that. I also want to thank Troy and his team and all the volunteers who made this possible. Uh, we really appreciate all of you guys. Thank you. Now, for just a second, I want to go back to those questions we just asked. Uh, Coke versus Pepsi, mountains versus beach, uh, all that. Now, there's, there's something about those questions. There's a, a point I want to make here. No matter which option you chose with those questions, you were right. Because it's about personal preference. It's about what you think. If you decide that Coke is better than Pepsi, then that is a fact because it's true for you. But there are some questions that don't work that way. It's not about personal preference. With some questions, there is a right answer and there is a wrong answer. And whatever we happen to think or feel, it doesn't change what the truth is. I'll give you an example. Here's a, here's a question. Do you believe the earth is round or do you believe the earth is flat? Now, I won't ask you to shout on this one. Just keep that in your head. Don't want to embarrass anybody because you might think we settled this question a long time ago, and I would agree with you. But the truth is there are some people today who still believe that the earth is flat. A few years ago, someone gave me a book. This book explained all the reasons why the round earth theory is just a myth. Needless to say, that book did not change my mind. You're welcome to have it if you would like it. But here's my point. You can sincerely believe that the earth is flat. You can have very strong feelings that tell you the earth is flat. You can really, really want the earth to be flat, but it's not going to change a thing. Our opinions and our feelings don't matter in this case because truth is truth. And in the time that we have here, I want to think about a very important fact-based question. And the reality is, this, this may be the most important question you could ever answer. So you ready for it? Here it is. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? How would you describe him? Uh, who do you say that he is? And this, this is not one of those Coke versus Pepsi kind of questions. It's not based on personal opinion. Your answer will be right or it will be wrong because Jesus just is who he is. Our feelings don't matter. Our, our, our opinions don't matter here. But it's interesting, though. If we went downtown and we found 100 random people and we asked them to tell us who Jesus is, we would get lots of different answers, lots of different opinions. And I do believe most people would say that Jesus was a historical person in history. I believe most people would say that Jesus was a good man, a good moral teacher. But the debate begins when we start talking about what the Bible says about Jesus. According to the Bible, Jesus is the Savior of the world. 
He came to this world and he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. And the resurrection, it wasn't just a cool story. It's not just a metaphor. It really happened, a true historical event. The Bible also uh, tells us something about Jesus. Uh, The apostle Peter made a very important statement. Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. So according to scripture, according to the apostle Peter, Jesus was not just a good moral teacher or an all around good guy. Jesus is divine, the Son of God. So let's bring this back around to you and me. How would you describe Jesus? Who would you say that he is? And this is not Coke versus Pepsi. There is a right answer here, and there's a wrong answer. So how do we get to the right answer? Well, at Plum Creek, we believe that truth is found in Scripture, in the Bible. This really is God's Word. And over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to look at a book in the Bible called Colossians. And we're going to start reading that today. Uh, Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul does a great job of explaining who Jesus is. And this morning, I'm going to read just three verses from Colossians chapter 1. And that's going to be plenty because these three verses are enough to blow your mind. So let's go ahead. Uh, If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17. Paul writes, the Son, that's Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, through Jesus, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now that is some powerful stuff right there. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to a group of Christians in a town called Colossae, and he has one big goal. Paul wants these Christians to understand the greatness of Jesus. And Paul says, whatever picture of Jesus you have in your mind right now, it's far too small. Uh, Jesus is far greater than anything you could imagine. And the truth is, Paul could say the same thing about us. Our picture of Jesus is far too small. So in this brief time that we have here, I want to focus on three main statements from those three verses that we just read. Here they are. Number one, all things were created through Jesus. Number two, all things were created for Jesus. And then number three, Jesus holds all things together. So are you with me on this? All things were created through Jesus for Jesus, and he holds all things together. Now, those are three big statements, aren't they? Three huge claims. This goes way beyond baby Jesus in the manger. This goes way beyond the miracle worker who ran around Palestine saying and doing amazing things. These three statements say that Jesus was no less than God. 
He's not just the son of God. He is God. And make no mistake, this is exactly what the Bible says about Jesus. And right here, we're dipping our toes into one of the great mysteries of life. It's called the Trinity. It's, it's this idea that God is one. There's only one God, but he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Three persons, but only one God. Now, as we sit here at this outdoor worship service, it's probably not the best time to dive into a complicated discussion about the Trinity. I'd love to do that at a different time. But for now, let's just look at these three statements, one at a time. First, all things have been created through him. So what does that mean? Well, at the very least... That statement means that somehow God the Son, Jesus, teamed up with God the Father and God the Spirit to create the world. And since we're out here at A.J. Jolly Park and we're surrounded by God's creation, I want to take just a moment to think about the amazing world that God made through Jesus. And that's why the packet you picked up on your way in has a leaf in it. So if you would, go ahead and pull that leaf out of the bag. We're going we're to look at these today. All of these leaves came from our church property, just down the road, south on 27. And at first glance, a leaf doesn't seem very exciting. But actually, it's very cool. Uh, first of all, from an artistic perspective, a leaf is just an impressive design. If you have any appreciation for art, you'd have to say a leaf is a work of art. At the same time, though, leaves were not created just to look pretty. They actually serve a very important function. A leaf is like the, the food factory for a plant because a leaf converts sunlight into food. Now, did you catch that? This, this thing that you're holding right there, it turns light into food. How cool is that? That process is called photosynthesis, and it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, if we could do what leaves can do, we wouldn't need that food truck over here today. We would, we would just stand in the sun and convert light into lunch. And these guys out here would have more to eat than this group up here. That's, that's your choice. There's pros and cons either way. But if you ask me, photosynthesis is a miracle. But it's, it's crazy to think this miracle is happening all around us every day on a massive scale. Think about it. Take a normal oak tree. How many leaves are on the average full-grown oak tree? I didn't know that off the top of my head, so I looked it up this week, and it says there are thousands of leaves on a normal oak tree. And if the tree is especially large, there could be hundreds of thousands of leaves on just one big oak. And, you know, we could take it to another level. How many trees exist on earth? I had to look that up, too. And the estimate is that three trillion leaves or trees currently exist on this planet. Three trillion. 
And each one of those trees has thousands of leaves. And those little leaves are performing these miracles day after day after day. God's creation is totally awe-inspiring. And our small view of Jesus gets blown away when we realize all things were created through him. We need to move on to that second statement, all things were created for him. What's that about? Well, let's go back to that leaf. Your particular leaf came from one particular tree. And your tree is just down the road, like I said, on our church property. Uh, We could go down there and see it right now. In fact, imagine that. Imagine uh, going there today and standing in front of your tree. If you stood there looking at that tree, how would you respond? What would you say? Well, some people might say, big deal, it's just a tree. But I hope we're, we're all having a growing appreciation for just how amazing trees are. So maybe your reaction would be different. You could say, wow, this one tree is just a small part of God's creation. And isn't it amazing to think God made this whole world so that we could enjoy it? Now, we have to be careful before we head down that road. Because what did we just read from Colossians? All things were not only made through Jesus, but also for him. Now, of course, God does want us to enjoy trees and stars and mountains and sunsets. But in a far greater sense, this world was not made for us. All things have been created for him. This is the point of creation. The universe exists to bring glory to God. And when you come across some awe-inspiring part of creation, that's a signpost that points to him. Creation is shouting, saying, look around, look up. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And, you know, most of creation does a great job of declaring the glory of God serves the purpose that God created it to do. For example, your tree, where your leaf came from, that tree in this moment is doing what God made it to do. In fact, at this very moment, everything God made is doing exactly what he created it to do, with one exception. You know what the exception is? It's people, human beings, you and me. God made us just like the rest of creation, but we stand out. We're unique in in several significant ways. One way that we stand out is that human beings were all made in the image of God. It's it's an amazing thing to think about. God put something of himself inside each one of us. That's why every human life is precious. Precious. Every person who's represented in every country in those flags is precious. Every child is precious, both born and unborn. As you know, our country is fired up right now because Roe v. Wade was overturned. And I am so thankful for every precious life that will be protected. At the same time, this is a moment when the church needs to step up. 
We need to show the world that we are pro-life in every sense of the word. Pro-baby, pro-mom, pro-child. We need to pray for and look for opportunities to show the love of Christ to everyone in need because every human being is made in God's image. Every one of us is precious to him. But there's another thing that's unique about people as compared to the rest of creation. God loves us in a special way, and he wants us to love him in return. But in order for that love to be real, God gave us a choice. If we, if we didn't have a choice, it wouldn't be love. So we can, we can choose to love him, or we can choose to reject him. And the sad truth is, in, in one way or another, one time or another, every single one of us chose to reject God. He, he told you to go left, but you went right. He told you to stay away from something, and then you ran straight to the thing that he told you to stay away from. And hey, it's not just you. It's me too. It's all of us. We're all guilty of rebellion against God, and that rebellion is called sin. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. And this is the saddest part of human history. If you go back to the book of Genesis and look at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were the first ones to sin against God. And their sin brought pain and brokenness and death into this world. But we followed their example. All of us have contributed to the pain and sorrow and death in this world. And because of our sin, we deserve to be rejected by God. We deserve to be separated from him. But there is good news. It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus. While we were still sinners, God still loved us. While we were sinners, Jesus came. He went to the cross and he died as a sacrifice, paying the penalty for our sins. And when you accept this gift that he offers, this free gift, you receive forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. And that is the most humbling thing you can imagine. Because think about who it was who did this for you. All things were created through Jesus. All things were created for Jesus. And it was this same Jesus who sacrificed his life so that you could have eternal life. It's so humbling. Now, before we're done here, I want to look at that last statement from Colossians. This world was created through Jesus and for Jesus, and he holds all things together. He not only made the universe, he also sustains the universe. And one last time, let's, let's pull out those leaves and look at them again. Now, when you look at a leaf, it, it seems like one single object. But it's actually one object that's made of lots of smaller objects. If you get this leaf under a microscope, you can see that it's made up of tiny plant cells. And every cell in this leaf is made of millions of molecules. And every molecule is made of a certain number of atoms. And every atom has something inside called a nucleus. And the nucleus of an atom is made of two different kinds of particles, protons, which have a positive charge, and neutrons, which have a neutral charge. I know I'm getting a little sciencey here, but we won't stay here long. Some of you might remember this, uh, studying it in school. 
A nucleus has both of these particles, but there's something interesting. There's a law in science that says like particles repel. They, they kind of stay away from each other. Opposite particles attract. So in the nucleus, you have protons with a positive charge. You have neutrons with a neutral charge. You don't have anything with a negative charge. So what is it that holds the nucleus of an atom together? Obviously, there's some kind of power at work here. Now, science, they, they had to come up with some explanation. They had to give this power a name. So they call it the strong nuclear force. But the Bible says, whatever else you want to call it, it's actually Jesus who holds everything together. Isn't that amazing? Right now, right here, right now, Jesus is holding together every nucleus in every atom, in every cell, in every leaf, in every one of the three trillion trees on this planet. And this goes way beyond trees, doesn't it? Jesus holds all things together from oceans to continents to planets to galaxies. And here's what I want you to know this morning. If Jesus can hold this entire universe together, he can also hold you together. And here's the flip side. Without Jesus, this universe falls apart. And without Jesus, you also fall apart. We need him far more than we realize. Even if you don't believe what the Bible says about Jesus, you still need him. We're all entirely dependent on him. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what each one of you think about Jesus, but I hope you leave here with a greater sense of who he is. Jesus is completely worth following with everything you have. It's completely worth it to give your life to him in worship. And when you do that, when you give your life to the one who made you and sustains you, you start to realize your life is not about you. My life is not about me. It's about him. All of us were created for him, for his glory. That's why we exist. And that's why Plum Creek exists as a church. We exist to bring glory to God and, and point as many people to Jesus as possible, lead people to a life-changing relationship with him. So here's our challenge today. Our challenge is to give Jesus the place that he deserves in our lives. And he deserves to be at the very center of our lives. So what does that mean for you? What would it mean for you to take one step toward putting Jesus at the center. It could be that maybe you just need to learn more about who Jesus is. Maybe you need to, to get connected to a church because you're not right now. And if that's you, boy, you are invited to come back to Plum Creek next week, not here, but you know, down on Nagel Road, south on 27. If you need more information about the church, there's a table over here. After the service is over, you can go get more information. Maybe your step is to begin that life-changing relationship with Jesus. Boy, we'd love to talk to you about that today. But maybe if you are connected to a church and you do have that relationship, your step could be this week, every day, every morning when you wake up, just give that day to Jesus first. Say, Jesus, what do you want me to do with this day? 
Who do you want me to reach out to? Who, who, what kind of decisions do you want me to make? What do you want me to stop doing? What do you want me to start doing? That's how we bring glory to God, surrendering our lives to Jesus. I want to close with prayer. Father, we, we look to you right now, and we realize our view of you is too small. Our view of Jesus is too small. We have a lot of trouble wrapping our heads around something as complex as the Trinity because you are so far above us. If, if you weren't this far above us, you wouldn't be God. So we praise you for being so infinitely beyond our understanding. And Lord, we, we need to realize that our lives are not about us, but we struggle with that. So I pray that you would help us to give our lives to you, to put you at the center. And I pray that we would do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.